Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, on the last Sunday after the Epiphany, February 14th, 2021. In the name of our loving, life-giving, liberating God, amen. On the first day of January in the year 1808, the Reverend Absalom Jones, the first African-American Episcopal priest, preached a sermon of thanksgiving. Now, the day was remarkable because it was the first day that the importation and sale of human beings enslaved in Africa was illegal in the United States. Many had worked and dreamed of this day, and Blessed Absalom and his congregation, St. Thomas African Episcopal Church in Philadelphia, were among them. The day was remarkable, and the sermon was remarkable, because the preacher didn't just give thanks for the end of the slave trade. He dared for more. In his Thanksgiving sermon, Absalom Jones estimated that in the story of Exodus, God's people were enslaved in Egypt for nearly 400 years. Modern-day hearers can't help but notice that just last year, we passed the 400-year anniversary of the arrival of the first enslaved human beings from Africa on our shores in 1619. 400 years, Father Absalom said, it's a long time to wait for justice. The sermon was remarkable because this sermon is one of the first published public statements of a black man, an Episcopalian preacher, who called not just for the end of the slave trade, but for the end of the institution of slavery. Absalom Jones even dared to say that God had a covenant with black Americans and that God won't rest until black Americans are truly free. My sermon today is about history. It matters what history we teach, what history we claim as our own. It matters what history we claim as our own. I grew up an Episcopalian, a cradle Episcopalian, the saying sometimes goes. My grandmother would have actually said that we are genetic Episcopalians. We can trace my mother's family ties to the church, some clergy, some lay leaders, almost all the way back to Absalom's day. But here's the honest truth. I hadn't heard of Absalom Jones until I was in my church history class in seminary. I spent a lot of time in Sunday school growing up. My mom was a priest. I'd never heard of Absalom Jones as an Episcopalian. And today's lessons, both from the second book of Kings and from Mark's gospel, they're about history. Elisha is inheriting Elijah's power, and Jesus is standing with his followers and the prophets, and Jesus is a bridge between the great prophets and his own day, and Jesus stands in the lineage of the greatest of the prophets, the transfiguration tells us. Both of these stories have an element of secrecy, because in both, a claim of power is made. Elisha will inherit the power of his predecessor. Jesus will stand in that same lineage of Elijah, the one who challenged the unjust rulers. And Jesus will also stand in the ancient lineage of Moses, the one who walked with God's people into freedom. And claiming your history can be a political act. 
Claiming your history can be dangerous for the status quo. So the question I want to ask you today is this. Who were your predecessors in the faith? Who are your predecessors in the faith? As a kid, I couldn't tell you who Absalom Jones was. I couldn't tell you he was one of the earliest priests in our church, the first man born into slavery and then ordained. I couldn't tell you about a whole bunch of white men. I could list many of the presidents of the United States who were Episcopalian. I could tell you that the chaplain to the Continental Congress was an Episcopal priest. As a kid, I could tell you that Samuel Seabury was our first bishop. It would take the musical Hamilton to introduce me to the inconvenient truth that Samuel Seabury had argued against the American Revolution from the pulpit. Our history as a church is a mess. It really is. The majority of U.S. slaveholders were Episcopalians. Much of the establishment church, especially in the early days of the country, was Episcopalian. Even after the trade of enslaved human beings from Africa was outlawed, Episcopalians sold slaves to one another domestically. Our first rector at Holy Communion was a Confederate soldier. An Episcopal bishop served as a general for the army of the Confederacy, and many Episcopalians fought to retain slavery. It was just a few years ago that a church in Virginia finally voted to change its name from Robert E. Lee Memorial Episcopal Church. They are now called Grace Episcopal. History is messier than the history books often allow, especially history books written for school-age kids. If the only Episcopalians you know from history are Washington, Jefferson, Robert E. Lee, or Samuel Seabury, you're going to be disappointed when history takes a second look at these men. If they are all you know, then it may seem that people you relied on to point the way are being toppled. To that I say, in whose lineage do you stand? That's why I'd argue we need to know our history more broadly. We need to transfigure our textbooks. We need to know more stories. Who do you count? Whose story do you remember when you think about your history? In 1808, on the day the trade of enslaved Africans became illegal, the first black Episcopal priest, Absalom Jones, climbed into the pulpit. As a young enslaved man, he had taught himself to read. And scraping together every cent he could, he had purchased first his wife's freedom and then his own. Absalom had persuaded our first presiding bishop to ordain him and to enroll his congregation in the Episcopal Church. St. Thomas African Episcopal Church still stands in Philadelphia. It was also the site of the first ordinations of women in our denomination 150 plus years later. This week, a documentary is coming out on PBS called simply... The Black Church, Henry Louis Gates put it together. It features an interview with our presiding bishop, the Most Reverend Michael Curry, the first black man to lead our denomination. Also interviewed is arguably our leading theologian, the very Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas, the first black woman to lead an Episcopal seminary. We are standing at a remarkable time in the history of our church, For the first time in our history, African Americans are occupying the highest church offices with some regularity. Our own bishop, consecrated just last year, is the first black person elected bishop of Missouri. But friends, 
if you, like me, didn't learn it as a child, know this. The legacy is long. The Episcopal Church was the church of Thurgood Marshall, the first black man to sit on the Supreme Court, and the attorney who argued Brown versus Board of Education, which desegregated America's schools. The Episcopal Church ordained Polly Murray, the first black woman priest in our church. But before she was a priest, as a law student, she wrote the paper that gave Thurgood Marshall the roadmap for the case. She published what Dr. Martin Luther King called the Bible of the Civil Rights Movement. This has been a church of black organizers, black doctors like Dr. Nash, black teachers. Our church has a black history and we could all stand to know it better. In 1808, from a pulpit in Philadelphia, Blessed Absalom Jones dared to preach a sermon which challenged the dominant idea in America, the idea that God blessed the institution of slavery. Friends, it has been a long winter. This is the last Sunday of Epiphany. I remember the last Sunday of Epiphany from last year well. Our newly elected, not yet consecrated bishop visited us for the first time that Sunday. He sat out in the pews. At the end of the service, the kids held up an Alleluia banner. It was the last time Alleluia was sung by a church full of people here at Holy Communion. If you're struggling, if you're struggling in a city that seems to be covering up injustice in our city jails, in a city that seems to have trouble housing our homeless population, even on cold, cold nights like the one we just had, if you're struggling to live in a state that wants to make churches and schools and bars open carry zones, if you're struggling with the long lines and state government distributing more vaccine to places with fewer people of color, if you are struggling with the freezing temperatures and are more erratic climate, if you're struggling, if you're still struggling with the death of black human beings at the hands of white police officers, friends, if you are struggling, know that you're not alone. If the only history we know in this country, if the only history we teach is the history of the so-called winners, we impoverish ourselves. If the only historical figures we know are the white masters, then we might think that we face difficulty, that when we face difficulty, God must be punishing us. We must not measure up to their example. We need a word from a historic preacher like Absalom Jones. Because it's not the whole story. It's not. God doesn't just bless the so-called winners. In fact, as Elisha and Jesus both hint, sometimes God's blessing will upset the status quo. The black church, including the black Episcopal church and its historic leaders know when there is no way, you make a way. You make a way out of no way. At the end of Absalom Jones's Thanksgiving sermon, he prayed a prayer. He prayed for our nation, for our president and Congress, a prayer of thanksgiving that they had ended the slave trade. And then he asked God, and I quote, that this highly favored country may continue to afford a safe and peaceful retreat from the calamities of war and slavery for ages yet to come. We stand in the ages yet to come. The peaceful retreat from the calamities of war and slavery, that is still our work. We are still in the midst of that retreat. But friends, ours is a history rich, 
rich with folks who dared to dream, who dared to preach, who dared to stand in the lineage of the prophets. Don't forget, even when it seems there is no way, there is always a reason to pray. There is always room for an alleluia. Don't settle for a partial history because sometimes you need the saints you didn't learn about in school. Amen.